0: Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. I'm just going to have to address my face. So let's just get right to it. I've heard this morning, so I shared last week that in, in a moment of weakness of this guy, Who kept slamming on his brakes in front of me for those of you guys that were here and my kids were screaming everything else going on that is the first time I ever just wanted to get out of my car I didn't so someone today goes did you get out of the car this week so I did not get out of the car Brian Wakefield so lovingly told me he goes you know in Home Alone 2 when when the guy is throwing the bricks when the kid is throwing the bricks at Harry and Harry gets hit in the face with bricks he goes your face looks exactly like that so so yeah I'm, I'm gonna say one of three things happen. You guys can choose what you think. One, I was in. Uh, <laughs> one is I was just in a uh, a bar fight with twelve other guys. All of them are hospitalized or dead. <laughs> Two, I asked my wife. I we were uh, I was looking at Genesis and I said, Abra- uh, uh, Abraham Sarah, Sarah's wife refers to Abraham as lowercase Lord, my Lord. And I said, what would be the odds of us. Ever incorporating something like that into our home? <laughs> this was her response. Or three, I forgot. I'm almost 40, and at the end of our kids' gymnastics performance last night, I decided to sh- <laughs> to show that Dad could do a backflip. And uh... and I s- just it in- <laughs> wasn't even close. <laughs> I severely under-rotated, and that's that's an, that's an honest, true story. And here, here's the thing, I'll, I'll be completely honest, is uh, it, it, it was excruciating, because the way that I landed on my neck, the noise that happened, and then I was numb, like through my shoulders and down my arms, and still don't have like full feeling in my left shoulder and like chest area, which is crazy. Uh, And like I, like I looked up to to the guy that was near, and I was like, "How do you know if you're paralyzed?" That was like the first thing I asked. I was so freaked out. And he's like, "I don't think you'd be moving like that." So I was like, "Okay." (laughs) But here's the reality: is that night, or last night, uh, I didn't want to look at anyone in the eye. (laughs) And and even coming here this morning, I was like, "Who could I get to preach?" (laughs) And you realize where your identity lies um, whenever your face looks like this. So. Yeah, so that's that, and uh, I chipped my tooth too. (laughs) Don't ask to see it, I'm not going to show you guys. I got super messed up lower teeth, if your parents got you braces, good for you, but uh, you're not going to see it. When my wife and I argue, funny story, totally has nothing to do with the sermon, then we'll actually open God's word, Uh, is when my wife and I get in an argument, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll lower my lip and show her my bottom teeth because they're so messed up that it diffuses the argument. (laughs) So, whatever works, let's pray. Let's do something spiritual right now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for laughter. We thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for the greatest gift of Jesus. We thank you that, Lord, you came to restore what's broken, and that's us. That you've made us from sinners into saints, that you've done the work that you've provided the way, and I pray that for those that have put their trust and faith in you this morning, that you would minister to us that you would remind us of the truth of the gospel. That through your spirit you would speak, that you would calm us down and slow us down. Father, there are things in our lives that we are ashamed of. There are actions that we have done. There are things that we do that make us question your love for us. Remind us that your love for us is unshakable. For those that haven't put their trust and faith in you, reveal yourself to them this morning show them the gospel and the beauty and the glory of what you've done Lord in Jesus name we pray amen Psalm 46 I'm going to read through it all and then we'll dive in Psalm 46 to the choir master of the sons of Korah according to Alamoth a song God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Say la. Our main point this morning is our hope is we are held. Our hope is we are held. We're looking at Emmanuel. The first week we looked at faith that Emmanuel means God with us. And so we can have faith that God is always with us like he was with Jacob. We can have faith that God will never leave us or forsake us. That his presence is always with us. We can have faith in that. Last week we looked at peace. Peace doesn't come from the absence of something like conflict. Peace actually comes from the presence of God always with us, giving us peace, giving us rest. Today we are going to look at hope. True hope is not getting out of something it's not getting away from something it's not even getting through something people who have been around me for any length of time know that i don't like the saying that if god closes one door he will open another door because your hope at that point is transferred into god opening another door and the reality is is we live in a world where the whole house might come down our hope is that god won't open another door or anything like that our hope is that god holds us our hope is that god is with us our hope is is that god is present always our hope is that we are held by an unmovable, unshakable God, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. The psalm actually breaks it up nicely for us in one through three, and four through seven, and then eight through eleven. So let's dive in, verses one through three, and take a look at how this is communicated. That our hope is that we are held. It says, "God is our refuge and strength." The word "refuge" here um, actually means takes on the the meaning of a safe place. And then it says, "In strength. So refuge here is different than fortress, like, like we see down in verse 7 and like we see in verse 11. Fortress is, is, is like a big wall that's built up. Here, refuge is like a shelter in a hiding place, somewhere we can hide in, somewhere we can find shelter in, someplace we can be restored and renewed. And it says that God is that for us, this hiding place, this refuge, and He's our strength. That's what God is a refuge and strength and look at here a very present help in trouble it just doesn't say a present it says a very what does very mean it's actually this word meod, and what it actually means is this is it means to have claim so look at verse 1 God is our refuge this shelter this hiding place for us and our strength and he is one who lays claim to us he's a very present help in trouble that's who God is a refuge our strength and the one who is very present who lays claim to us he has claim on us some of us just need verse 1 today whatever you're going through in your life whatever your situation is whatever your circumstances just let verse 1 minister to you this is the truth of God's Word that God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble verse 2 therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea Though its waters roar in foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. What is going on? Here's what's going on. Is the psalmist is taking us to see that, that what is the one thing that we might think of when we think of something being unmovable? We would think of a mountain. But what does he do? He shakes this up for us and says, look... We will not fear, though the, though the earth gives way. We're like, the earth gives way and, 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 and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. He's saying, look, the, the, the one thing that you might think that's immovable, the earth or mountains. He's like, if these things give way, if the earth, earth gives way or if the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. In other words, these things that you might think are a refuge, these things that you think are immovable, they actually can move. Listen, everything in your life outside of God has the ability to be shaken or moved. everything the psalmist is even saying mountains the earth if they give way and so a great question for us this morning is what do we take refuge in and how secure is whatever we're taking refuge in How, how how secure is the thing that we're looking to hold us how secure is that what are some things that we take refuge in honestly our savings account what we might take refuge in is our savings account. You might take refuge in your career or your success or your endeavors in a matrix for your business. You might take refuge in your degree or your GPA. Some of us might take refuge. In other words, when life comes undone, where do we go? Or when we are coming undone, is it because of what we have put our hope in is coming undone? It's proving to be shakable and it's proving not to be a good refuge so some of us run to the bottle some of us run to netflix some of us run to comfort foods when life comes undone and that's our refuge some of our refuge is our looks and our self-image honestly last night like i sat there after the incident and i was like man What if I couldn't play with my kids anymore? What if I couldn't do the things I love to do anymore? What if I couldn't work out anymore? What if I couldn't hunt anymore? What if I couldn't do some of these things that I love to do anymore? What is it that if it was taken from you that would wreck or rock you so bad that you wouldn't feel like life has any purpose of moving on? Because that's probably where your refuge is. That's probably where you're looking to to give you worth, to give you meaning, to give you security, to give you comfort. Whatever your comfort blanket is, that's probably it. And maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's an ideal marriage. Maybe it's the thought of having a family. For some of you, I was talking with Mark McKay this week. Going home for him and going to his parents' house has been like a refuge-like uh, uh it's it it's a place he said that, in a sense there's a surplus of everything for some of us that's not a refuge for us but what is your refuge and let's ask this again what what would rock you to the core if it was removed from your life or where do you run to whenever things come undone because that is where you're probably seeking refuge And I'm just saying, if it's anything outside of our hope in the fact that God is holding us and that we are held by God, then it's going to be shaken at some point in your life. I believe Psalm 46 presents God as a warrior. You cannot read Psalm 46 and not see God as a warrior, but He also is a tender warrior. What makes Him warrior? What makes Him tender? I would say it depends upon whether... Christ is your refuge or not I the passage doesn't present a very safe God unless Christ is our refuge it presents a God who's big and majestic and infinite and powerful but it also as we see now moving on into verse 4 that there's a tenderness here read with me there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is a powerful, powerful song. And, and, and we just, just as a side note, we need to read the Psalms, as John Piper would say. We need to read them, not just as doctrine or else we will miss them and what's being communicated. There's rich emotion that's going on. But if you notice what is happening at the core of this psalm, is it's moving us away from whatever our circumstances are and fixing our eyes on on how big God is. So whatever is going on in your life, like there's big things happening here. The, The earth is giving way. If the mountains move, there's a lot happening. The nations are raging. The kingdoms are tottering. But what's going on is God is revealing Himself. In some ways here, he's Elohim. In some way here, he's Yahweh. But the psalmist is pulling us away from our hope of our circumstances, whatever else, and giving us a hope that we are held by God. Again, the tenderness comes in in verse 4. We, we go from tumultuous waters in verse 3 that are foaming, that are roaring, to now a river whose streams may glad the city of God. So there's this city picture that's here, but there's a stream in it that is no longer tumultuous and is scary what actually is now is there's this city who's making glad it's providing for the needs of the city rivers mean life we see that in genesis 2. a river was created and other rivers flowed from that what happened they gave habitation they gave vegetation they gave life water gave life and here there's this stream that's in the city of God, this dwelling place, this safety, this refuge, this fortress. We have to remember, too, this psalm was written in a time when there were castles, when there were big walls, when there were fortified cities. And so maybe the psalmist can even look and see this big wall, this big castle, and go, man, look at that fortress, look at that fortified city. And then he goes in and say, however spectacular you think that is, God is grander, he's bigger, he's a greater refuge, he's a greater fortress than all of that. Again, there's, 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 this, there's this water that exists here. And we're going to come back to this because it's important to see this uh, river and what water meant throughout all the redemptive narrative. But you have to see this please look at the text and see there's not a promise here for hardships to be removed from your life. Look. In fact, it says the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. It, it, it says in a sense, there can be chaos going around or going on around you, but the promise is not that, that the, the, the nations will stop raging right here. That there will be no harm, that there will be no crisis, that there will be no conflict. The hope is not in politics. The hope is not in calm nations. The hope is not in government. The hope is not getting out. The hope is not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. What is the hope? Well, in verse 6, it says, The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. What's all around this? The Lord of hosts is with us. Verse 7, The God of Jacob is our fortress. Before that, in verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. What is the hope for the, nations being at, or, or for the nations raging, for the kingdoms tottering? What is the hope? That God is in the midst of us and that the Lord of hosts is with us. Our theology every single day matters. Our, listen, our theology matters. What we believe about God impacts the way we live life every single day. What we believe about God, as A.W. Tozer says, the most important thoughts we think are the thoughts we think about God. Our theology matters. If we get into hard times in life and we just think God's punishing us, what does that teach us about our view of God? If we understand the Gospel to be that we're promised a life of health, wealth, and success, then what we have is a prosperity Gospel, not the Gospel In fact, if you read the Bible, uh, John 16, 33, Jesus actually promises, in this life you are going to have tribulation. Fear not, I have overcome the world. Philippians 1, 29 talks about suffering. It actually promises suffering. 1 Peter 4 talks about suffering. Romans 5, 3 talks about suffering. Our Bible tells us that we will suffer. There will be hardships. There will be hard stuff that we go through. What does it promise for those that are God's children? That we are held, that he is present, that he is with us, that he is bigger than our circumstances, that he is bigger than our problems, that he is bigger than what's going on around us, even something so big as the earth giving way, as the mountains moving. God is grander. He is bigger. I have a, a, a buddy of mine who's a pastor in our network, Acts 29. <clears throat> and a couple months ago, he actually shared a little bit of his story at a conference we were at a couple years ago, but just a few months ago, his, his wife was diagnosed with, with life-ending cancer. <clears throat> she had a tumor that, that, that was cancerous and that was wrapped around her spinal cord. And so they told her, like, this is, this is, this is bad, this is going to end quickly. They went in to, to do the surgery and they removed it and the doctors told her, hey, uh, we don 't know what happened, but in in a sense, cancer has like a switch, and the switch was off, so she's going to be okay. Just a couple weeks later, she passed out and started having stroke like symptoms. When she just went into the doctor this week because he sent out a message, he s- said, "Please pray for us. only forty percent of my wife's heart is working." He actually has something going on in his body where his spine is actually degenerating. And so they've given him a certain amount of time that he can actually stand in the pulpit and preach. In, in a sense the way Mark communicated is like, and maybe you guys have felt like this, the waves keep crashing. They just keep coming and it seems like he can't get a break from the last one. Or it seems like the water's rising and the only thing you can know how to do is to stand up on your tiptoes so you can rise above the water. That's how Mark, I would imagine, feels. What is the promise? What is the hope for Mark and for his wife? There is a greater hope than he just gets out. There's a greater hope that his wife gets healed. There's a greater hope in that no matter what the circumstances are in his life, no matter what he's going through, God says, I'm holding you and you are held. I'm in control of the circumstances in your life, I'm in control of everything that is going on around you. I am God. I am very present. I am your refuge and your strength. I am bigger than everything that is going on inside of your life right now. This psalm doesn't take away what is going on in life, it doesn't reduce, it doesn't minimize our circumstances. What it does is it makes God so much bigger than every other thing that is possibly going on in our life. That's what it's doing. You can't read this psalm without going, no matter what, the mountains moving everything that's happening God is so much bigger and so much more powerful than every single thing that is happening in our life right now the, all of our circumstances what else I said water matters and we and we see this throughout our Bible and rivers matter at the beginning of our Bible in Genesis 2 there's a river and rivers were good they gave life after the rebellion of man against God, actually river and water was used to exercise God's wrath and judgment on the world. We see this in, in, in the flood of, during Noah's time, right? At the end of our Bibles in Revelation 22, again, in the city of God, there is a river, and it's a good river. Throughout our Bible, there are rivers. In, in Isaiah 8, don't quote me exactly there, but I believe it's Isaiah 8, we can actually see a river being used... Or Assyria being referred to as a river where God is, is using Assyria to exercise judgment. So, what is the difference here? Why are there some passages about, uh, passages about a river that is good, and why are there some passages about a river and water that is being used for exercise and judgment? What is going on? In Ezekiel, we see something else that's quite fascinating. There's this temple and in the temple is God's presence God's glory and then from the temple is flowing a stream of water it's coming out from the temple and then as the stream goes out further and further the stream gets wider and it gets deeper and it gives life and habitation to the cities around it what is going on we can't read this section in Psalm 46 without remembering what happened to the Israelites whenever they left Egypt remember they traveled throughout the night God was with them. He was present with them. But then their backs were pressed up against the sea. What happens? They're at a complete and total loss, right? They are backed up into a really, really bad circumstance with this mighty army pursuing them with chariots. Look at what it says here in verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. There's a slide up here. Let's read these two passages. Because I believe that we're meant to read and understand what's going on in Exodus when we read Psalm 46. Remember, it looks really, really hopeless for the nation of Israel. But look what it says in in, uh, Exodus 14, verse 24 and 27. And in the morning, watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and of the cloud, look down on the Egyptian forces and through the Egyptian forces into panic. And in the morning, that happened. Verse twenty-seven. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. What's going on? Remember, it looked really bleak, like the end of the road for the nation of Israel. They are there. There's a sea. What happens? A man with a wooden staff puts his staff into the sea, and the waters part. So now there is a highway that they can travel through in the sea. And they travel all night through the sea. You know what the text doesn't say, which, which maybe when we get to heaven we'll get to sea. But I wonder what that looked like for, for the nation of Israel. Because we're not told that. We're just told that they crossed throughout the night in, in the sea. But, I mean, we, we can only imagine. Think about that many people trying to get through. Like there's, there, there's probably timid Timmy who is moving slowly there's people that are probably impatient at the pace that people are moving in front of them there's probably people that are thinking oh my goodness at any second these waves and all this water is going to come crashing down on me there's probably people thinking that God knows what I did this week he knows the thoughts that I was thinking there's no way that I deserve to walk through right now and do you know what's crazy is after the whole nation of Israel gets through what happens Moses removes his staff and the water that was just held back from the nation of Israel comes crashing down on the Egyptians what's the difference God's grace that's it God's grace on the nation of Israel is what saved them what what, what God used a man with with a wooden staff holding back the seed to spare them what does that make us think of Martin Luther uh, wrote a, uh, a hymn based upon Psalm 46. A mighty fortress is our God. For him, this psalm is all about Jesus. For him, this psalm is salvific. It is about salvation. What do we know? That at the end of Jesus' life, what happens when he is pierced? Blood and water flew, or, uh, flowed out of him. When he was pierced, out came blood and water but before that what 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 happened the earth grew dark it trembled it shook Rocks split God's presence was there the wrath of God was coming and here's the thing the only reason we can be saved from the wrath of God that we deserve is because like Moses a man holding a wooden staff held it back is that Jesus cross Our jesus christ on a wooden cross holds back the wrath of god gets in the way and he absorbs the wrath that we deserve and then from him flows streams of living water that we get to absorb in christ he is our refuge he is our strength he is our fortress we no longer are consumed by the wrath of god for our selfishness for our sins for our rebellion against god we have to see that our hope is that we are held but our greatest hope is not you being delivered from the circumstance in your life and I'm not trying to minimize it whatever you're going through your greatest hope is not getting out it's not getting the next thing it's not getting something else God in 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 what we have in Christmas season is gave us our greatest hope Jesus coming to rescue us to redeem us to give us what we cannot give to give us what we cannot provide for ourselves to stand in the place that we deserve to stand the righteous one becomes guilty the innocent one becomes shameful. The beloved becomes forsaken. And he holds back the wrath of God so that the only thing that's left for us to receive in Christ is the fullness of God's love and embrace and him holding all that we are every second and every moment of every day, saying, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Because if I was, it was going to happen on the cross. If God did not walk out then, if Jesus Christ did not walk out then, He will not walk out now. Our theology matters. How else do we see this? It says in verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why does the text say the God of Jacob? Lynn Jacobson was telling us that most, most commonly when uh, when... Uh, the word Jacob is used instead of his new name Israel it's because he's in trouble so why does why does the word say the God of Jacob is our fortress Derek Kinder believes that it's the point us to the grace of God that's it because for those of us that are going through hard circumstances in life right now or maybe we've had a hard year like myself maybe things have just been really rough and really tough it makes us go is God mad at me And if you're being honest you've probably wrestled with that is god punishing me is he frustrated with me is he just sadly disappointed with 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 the disgusting mess that i am and so when we're given a name like jacob we get to go back and go oh man that guy was messed up and it says the god of jacob is our fortress if god was faithful to jacob if god was faithful to save and uh, uh, preserve him then our hope is that we're held by a god who will never let us go There's another slide on on the screen, and and I've taken a lot of this from Keller, who I love. But we're going to jump down to Isaiah 49, actually, 14 through 16, so I think it's the next slide. I love this. It's about the restoration of Israel, and this is what it says. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, my God has forgotten me. So God tells of all these wonderful things that that he's going to do for the nation of Israel. Do you know what their response is? One like ours. The Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. In other words, how am I to know that you love me? How am I to know that you are holding me? How am I to know that I'm held? It seems like everything in my life that is turned upside down right now would point to the fact that I'm not being held by God. Look God Look at how God responds in verse 15 of Isaiah can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb even these may forget yet i will not forget you so in other words the 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 undying unconditional love of a mother for her child god says she might forget her child my love is greater than that i will never forget you and then he goes on to say this in verse sixteen behold i have engraved you on the palm of my hands Your walls are continually before me. What is going on there? Engraved actually means to carve or to chisel out on the palms of someone's hands. And in Old Testament times, it was sometimes known that a servant or a slave would have their master's imprint or uh, uh, um, would, would actually be tattooed stating that they were a slave or owned by this master. But what doesn't happen, and this is what Keller says, what, 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 what never happens is that a master is tattooed. That, 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 that it is shown that, that a master is tattooed for the servant. What do we have? If God only came to us and said, just know I love you, we would have no reason to doubt Him. But what we would still have are God's words. What we have in the cross of Jesus Christ is this. We have doubting Thomas saying, I just need to see the palms of his hands. So God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will hold you. How do you know this? How do you know that you can trust me? We have the actions of Jesus Christ. His palms were chiseled. He was crushed. He was beaten. He was stricken. He was smitten. He went through all that to show that I am not going to abandon you. That I was in control of that circumstance. Of the cross. Of how gruesome and bloody and horrific that was. And I'm I'm in control of the circumstances in your life right now. How do we know God loves us? Because He'll never forget us more than a mother would forget her child. And we also know because of what Christ went through. He has the scars to prove it. We're quickly going to move through 8 through 11. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I love this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our response to the good news, everything that I've just said, that we don't bear the wrath, that God will never leave us or forsake us, that Christ endured what we deserve, that is, he has scars on his hands to prove his love. What is our response? Right here, verse 8: Come, behold. Isn't that what John said? at the beginning of his gospel, behold the Lamb of God. What we need to do as believers is behold the works of the Lord. Behold the gospel. Behold what God has done. Fix our eyes less on our circumstances. Fix our eyes less on what is going on in our life. And behold what God has done through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. All the way through, it's he, he, he. He makes war cease. He breaks the bow. He burns the chariots with fire. God has accomplished the gospel. He did it all. All we are left to do is behold what He has done and take refuge in the fact that we are held by Christ. How can we ever be still and know that God is God? We can be still and know that God is God. If we have hope that He holds us through life's darkest circumstances, through the hardest things we are going through, we can be still to know that we have a God who is with us that the god of jacob is our fortress he is our refuge He is our stronghold he is holding us he is protecting us he is comforting us he is with us the only way we can ever be still in this life to take a day off to rest to chill is to know that god is god and we are not we are not holding up the world we are not keeping the universe in motion we are not doing those things if we just sit still and chill out and be quiet. What we will notice is that the God who's kept the universe going is still keeping it going without us. We can rest in the fact that the work of Christ is done, He reigns, and that He will be exalted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. In we'll with this story, I've shared this a couple years ago. my oldest daughter was sick and she had a stomach bug and uh... my 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 wife had left town for a few days uh... to go see family in reno and my daughter got a stomach bug and uh... uh... she had uh... she was throwing up and she had diarrhea for days what i didn't know as, as as a new dad is that using uh... when they when you have a rash as a child using baby wipes hurts and so she was screaming uncontrollably and this was going on for like days and literally And and, and this might not be a big deal for you, but for me as, as a new dad, I just didn't know what to do. And for someone who desires to fix everything, I felt completely hopeless. And I was so frustrated and I cried out to God in like anger and frustration. I'm like, this is nothing for you to fix. Just fix her. Just heal her. Just help her. Just take this away and make it stop, please. It wasn't an audible voice or anything that I heard from the Lord in that moment, but it just hit me that in the darkest uh, moment, so to speak, for my little girl, this is the sickest she she had been at this point, in in, in this moment when she needed help, my child, I was able to hold her when she was crying out to me. And that might have been the greatest gift that I could provide for her. And what what, what hit me, like a ton of bricks in the face, Brian, what hit me hard in that moment was this. Is that in the darkest moment of christ's life he also was crying out and 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 the i would imagine the deep love and affections of the father the only thing that you would want to do as a father is to hold your son and in the midst of that moment christ was forsaken why so that for the rest of eternity we would never have to question that we are held by god jesus was not held in that moment by his father he was forsaken and rejected so that we wouldn't have to question that god will always and forever hold us your identity in christ is the one thing in this world you can cling to that'll never be shaken god doesn't move in and out of love for you you don't move in and out of christ you don't move in and out of this identity he's given you that is secure you will never be less loved than the son of god has loved himself think about that you will never be less of a child than you are right now that is secure it's unmovable it's unshakable our hope is that we are held let's pray Father, thank you for your word and the reminder that our hope is that you are ever-present. You are very present. You are a refuge. You are a fortress. You are our strength. Thank you for delivering us. We need you, and we pray you administer the truths of the gospel to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.